Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current study, What's in a Name? What's in a Name dives into the history and significance of the names of God found in the Old Testament. During this series, we'll drill down into eight of the Hebrew names for God and learn what they reveal about who God is for us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you here. Those of you who are in the house, those of you who are online. And, and you know, I, I just want to thank you for joining with us and gathering with us. You know, the reality is we're sitting in the midst of a miracle every time we gather when we think about how God has provided for us, how he has worked through us, the body of Christ, to, to do things. And, and as I think about how generous uh, God has been to us, I also think about the, the greater needs in our community and, and in our state. And, and, I, and I can't help but think about uh, the loss of life for those uh, police officers this week in, in Bristol. And I know we have some folks from Bristol who attend here. And so, uh, you know, as I prepare for this message, I just want to spend a moment in prayer for those who mourn. So, Father, we know that uh, the community of Bristol and, and the, police, uh, the Bristol Police Force and all that community mourns, and we pray for them. And we know there are others who, who mourn and have lost loved ones, and, and we lift them up to you. Lord, you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so I, I pray that you will heal the broken hearts, that you will come alongside supernaturally and through the body of Christ to, to do what you always do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the middle of this series called uh, What's in a Name, and we are looking at the ancient Hebrew names of God. I've sort of uh, already mentioned one of them, Jehovah Rapha. I do want to encourage you to dig into this study because we believe that when we study those ancient names for God, we're going to learn something about God, and we're going to learn something about how personal he is to us. So I want to encourage you to dig in. Uh, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the What's in a Name book that we prepared for you during this study. And so you can pick one up after the service. If you're online and you'd like to get a copy of it, please let us know, and we'll make sure you can do that. Now, today, as I said, we're going to be looking at the ancient Hebrew name for God, which is Jehovah Rapha. And when it's translated into English, it means, I am the Lord who heals you. So, big picture. We believe that God is a healer. A healer. We see God healing people throughout the Old Testament. We see God healing people through Jesus and his ministry on earth. We see and read about how God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, heals people throughout the New Testament. And we believe that still happens today. In fact, every week, people share with us prayer requests. And oftentimes, many of those prayer requests are for healing. And so, weekly, our, our prayer team, our staff, our elders, and others Lift those prayers up to God, and it's our privilege to partner with you when you bring those prayer requests to us, and, and we've seen God heal. We've seen God heal in ways that we could never uh, imagine through supernatural means, and yes, we've seen God heal through medical professionals, and we've seen God do what only God can do, and so I want to encourage you to lean on our God who is Jehovah Rapha. And if you have a prayer request for healing, I want to encourage you to share that with us because we would love to come alongside you and be present for you in that way. 
And so um, I have to grab something right now. I'm having some technical difficulties with my notes. <laughs> so uh, one of the things as a pastor you often learn about is that there are things in uh, in, in our world that uh, come from some of the ancient Greek and Hebrew words. And one of the things I learned years ago was uh, that the word uh, uh, presbyteros means elder. And uh, one of the things I learned uh, when I went to the doctor not too long ago was that I have something called presbyopia. And what that means is elder eyes. <laughs> In other words, as I've gotten older, I need cheaters. So this is going to be interesting because my iPad's not working, but I'm using my phone. And you can recognize that your phone's just a little bit smaller font, but it looks like it's going to help me out. So, no, I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, I... I the word Jehovah Rapha comes from the book of Exodus. It's from Exodus chapter 15. And it's just after Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. And we see this amazing miracle because God parts the Red Sea. Israel walks through on dry land. And then God closes the Red Sea back up and destroys the Egyptian army. And, uh, you know, Israel and Moses are so excited. And we read this verse in, in Exodus 14 about what the Israelites learned. It says, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God dis displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now, the Bible even records that the Israelites uh, were so excited and so grateful for what God had done that they wrote a song and they sang it. And you can read that song in the first part of chapter 15 of Exodus. But after that huge celebration, after that huge miracle, they're on the other side of the Red Sea. And so now they begin their journey even further away from Egypt. And what are they doing? They're going through the desert. And so this is where we pick up, where we learn about this name, Jehovah Rapha. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah, because Marah means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So here we have the Israelites. They've been miraculously delivered from their bondage as slaves, and once they've come through the Red Sea, they come to the desert. And they travel a day without finding fresh water. They travel two days 
without fresh water. And now they're at their third day. And, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, going a day without drinking anything would be problematic. So here they are at, at three days. And, and clearly, uh, they are desperate. I think I would be too. So they come to this, they come to this spring, but this spring has water that's not fit to drink. And, and so uh, they're upset. They're, they're angry and they are losing their trust in Moses, who God has appointed to lead them. And so they cry out. It says they, they grumble. And, um, and then God speaks to Moses. And he has him do something miraculous. He points out a piece of wood to him. And clearly he tells Moses to take the wood and throw it into the spring. So he throws it into the spring. And when he does so, that piece of wood changes the water miraculously from being bitter to being sweet to being undrinkable to being drinkable. And, and a miracle has happened. But again, here's the state of what has happened with the Israelites. And so they are upset. They've, they've grumbled. They have demonstrated that they have lost faith and lost trust in Moses. And, and quite frankly, when you read through the book of Exodus, you'll find that this is a common theme, that time and time again, the Israelites lose trust in their leader. And thus, obviously, if they're leading, losing trust in the Lord's anointed leader, who is Moses, they're, they're losing trust in God. And so as a consequence of their lack of trust and grumbling, God gives the Israelites a test. And, and this is where we get the promise, ultimately, that, that it is the Lord who heals and you know, as we see how God reveals his name, Jehovah Rapha, uh, one scholar points something out. He says, you know, immediately after the Lord healed, that's what this scholar writes, healed the waters of Marah, he identified himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You see, God is the healer. He can heal the creation. He can heal water. He can heal people. He has the power to overcome impurity, contamination, or corruption, or sin. The power that is going to work on behalf of the Israelites, God's chosen people, as the Lord brings them into the promised land, is also the power that God continues to demonstrate and work in our lives. And here's the promise that leads to that name. And it's an important promise. God says, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So this promise comes with a test. And it's a test of faithfulness. God tells them, if you're going to be my faithful followers and be obedient to me, I promise that you will not be afflicted with the illnesses, with the, with the diseases, with the curses and plagues that Egypt was cursed with, that they were afflicted with. And, and remember, uh, those 10 plagues, those 10 illnesses, they were the, uh, there was the blood in the water, there was the infestation of frogs, the infestation of gnats, the infestation of flies, the death of the livestock, the festering boils that people had on their skin, the, the storm of hail, the infestation of locust, the plague of total darkness, and, and finally, the plague of the death of the firstborn. 
God promises that he will never let these things happen to Israel if they are faithful and obedient. And in that context, God then is also saying that he will not get angry at Israel as he got angry at Egypt. So in this context, God promises to be Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And that is a promise to Israel then, and it's a promise to us today. Now, that promise is one that he tells us that is something that is to abate and that he will answer that, not just based on our obedience, but on the fact that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he has compassion. And God will answer those prayers, both through supernatural means and also in ways that we may consider to be natural. And, and we see that happening in the Old Testament. We see that again happening through Jesus. We see that when God sends the Holy Spirit down to earth to fill the followers of Jesus. We see that in supernatural ways and in practical ways. In her 2004 book, uh, Praying the Names of God, Ann Spangler points out uh, some research from, uh, from Egyptian papyri dating back to the 1500s before Christ. She says they, they list medical remedies, including a strange array of ingredients, including lizard's blood, uh, swine's teeth, putrid meat, stinking fat, and, and more. And she said, you know, rather than relying on this witch's brew of potions to heal them, the Israelites chose to obey God's commands and statutes, some of which, she points out, foreshadow modern medical discoveries. For instance, People were told to wash their bodies and their clothes if they came in contact with a disease or with a corpse or with some type of bodily discharge or disease. And we recognize that here in 2022, that, that doesn't sound like rocket science, but it's just a little over 150 years ago where it was considered ridiculous for doctors to wash their hands before they went into surgery. She also points out that the Israelites practiced isolation and quarantine and followed dietary laws that prevented the spread of disease. So one of the ways that God lived up to his self-disclosed name, Jehovah Rapha, was in providing then and now us with instructions on how to obey him and, and even provide for God to heal directly through his word. So it's important for us to see that, that God is our healer and that God can bring healing any way he chooses. He can heal supernaturally and God can choose to heal us as we're obedient to him and follow his commands. But when the subject of healing comes up, I'm certain that some of us can think of someone who we prayed for God to heal, but that healing seems to never come. So, Let's look at the, the big picture, the purpose of healing. When you look at, that pass, at this passage where the name Jehovah Rapha is given to us, we have to acknowledge that that name does not guarantee that faithful believers will never get sick or that uh, they will never struggle with illness. 
uh, that they'll always be healed. It doesn't promise that. One Bible scholar writes this, part of the tendency for our misunderstanding comes from the translation choices that we've made into English. The best translation of this sentence probably, he suggests, would be, any illness I brought on the Egyptians, I will not bring on you, for I am Jehovah Rapha, your doctor. The, the promise here was not that God would never allow those who place their faith in him to get sick. It was that the Israelites would be free from having to worry about the diseases that God sent on Egypt. And he says, if you're loyal and obedient, I'm going to be your healer. So it's important that we understand that there's an important part of us in being faithful and following him and trusting him. And, and here's the, the purpose that God is showing us in his healing. He wants us to understand that there's something about drawing close to God that he wants. The, the bigger idea is that God wants us to lean into him relationally, to pursue him as God Almighty and as our healer. So, so think about this. You know, in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, Jesus goes and he teaches in a synagogue. And while he's there, somebody is brought who has uh, been possessed by a demon, and he delivers that person from the demon. And, and once the time at the synagogue is over, they, they go to Peter's house. And at Peter's house, they discover that, that Peter's mother is ill. And so Jesus lays hands on her, and he heals her. And then it seems that word had gotten out and around that Jesus was there and he had delivered somebody from a demon. And, and oh, and by the way, Peter's mom has been healed. And, and so people begin to show up at Peter's mother's house. Dozens, maybe hundreds, maybe more show up. And, and scripture tells us that Jesus heals people and he casts out demons and he, he does all of this. And then at some point in the evening, probably well after dark, the last person leaves. And so presumably everybody goes to sleep. But then the scriptures tell us that early in the morning, Jesus got up at, at sunrise. And he goes off to a quiet place. And Mark's gospel tells us he goes and he prays and he spends time with God. But both of the gospels tell us that eventually the disciples wake up. They must have been late sleepers, and they go looking for Jesus. He's not there in the house. And so as they're out, apparently they run under, into other people from the town who, who had heard about the healings and the deliverances, and, and they want to see Jesus. And when they finally find Jesus in the Scripture calls in this lonely place, this isolated place, this quiet place where he could be with God the Father, they say, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And, and the implication is everybody's looking for you to, to do what you did yesterday for them today. And what Jesus says is instructive. He says that he must leave because he must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns because that is why I was sent. It's instructive to us to understand, you know, big picture, while we believe that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can heal us, his purpose wasn't to come and heal us 
from our illnesses. His purpose was to come and proclaim the kingdom of God. And big picture, there is a healing that we all need, and that is the healing from the sickness of sin. And that is the, the big picture idea that Jesus comes to be our healer spiritually so that we will not spend eternity separated from God so that we also won't spend our few years on this planet separated from God, but that we can have a relationship and know him. And so, yes, he may use physical healings and deliverances from demonic possession to demonstrate to us how powerful he is, but ultimately what he wants is to heal us from the sickness of sin. And the early church leaders knew this. In the book of Acts, we see the disciples after the Holy Spirit has come down on the church and Peter begins to preach. And, and as he preaches, this is what he says. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as you well know. Performing miracles and signs and healing people's illness wasn't the goal. The ultimate goal was to deliver people from the sickness, the disease of sin. And so God allowed Jesus those powers to do those things. Why? So people would understand that he's been endorsed by God and so that they would understand it was the message that he brought that to bring people to Jesus was, was so crucial to why he taught this. And yes, he would heal because he cares and because he's compassionate and because he wants people to not be afflicted and hurt. But again, why he had those powers and used those powers on earth was so that we would know that he was the chosen one of God and that he would be able to tell us about how we could come into a relationship with God and be ultimately healed from the sickness of sin. We see that same message that comes out in a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. It's in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. It's called the, the suffering servant passage, and, and I would encourage you to read it. And, and if, as you read it, uh, you will obviously be able to tell that that prophecy is foreshadowing the coming of Jesus, both his life and his death and his crucifixion. And in it, we have this one verse. I just want to read from, cha from 50, chapter 53, verse 5. And this is what it says about the suffering servant that we understand is Jesus. It says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Clearly, this prophesies about Jesus and his life, but, but verse 5 makes something also very clear about how he heals and the ultimate purpose of that healing that he brings. Notice it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. So Jesus was brutally murdered to pay for our transgressions, our iniquities, our sins. He was punished for our sins to bring us the ultimate peace with God. And he came to deliver us. And, and 
we see that final phrase that says, by his wounds, we are healed. Talking about being healed from the ultimate sickness, sin, that Jesus heals us. Now, please don't misunderstand me. God hears all of our prayers. God heals us, and it's important that we turn to God for our healing, but we have to understand that the ultimate healing that he desires for us is to be healed from the disease of sin that would separate us eternally from God if we didn't. And so, as I say that, we need to recognize that it's important for us to pour out our desires for God to heal us because he desires to know from us. In fact, the Bible tells us that we need to give all our worries and care to God for he cares about us. So whatever your cares are, whatever concerns you have, whatever desires for healing for you or for others, it's important that we do that, that we ask him for those prayers. And I teach this to people when I teach about prayer. I said, you know, God answers all of our prayers, every single one of our prayers. Sometimes he answers those prayers with a yes. Sometimes he answers those prayers with no. And sometimes he answers those prayers with wait, or in other words, not at this moment. And of course, we would always want God to answer with a yes. But the reality is, is that we have to trust him and know that he knows what is best for us. He knows what God's will is. And he understands his will and that it's perfect for all of us. And so I share that because we wrestle when we don't get the answer that we want. And uh, when we don't, we feel like God has disappointed us, but we have failed to see the bigger picture. Maybe it's not no, but it's not yet. Or maybe God has something better for us, and in his unlimited scope of view of our lives and of eternity, he knows what's best that we can't see, but we have to trust him. And, and you know, we have an important testimony for us in Scripture, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul himself had some physical illness. He doesn't tell us what it is, but it caused him enough pain that he called this malady a thorn in his flesh. And he said that, that Satan sent it to him, and, and he turned to God, who he knew as, is Jehovah Rapha, and he asked God to heal him. But, but he wasn't healed. And, and, and he, it wasn't just a, you know, a, a rather impassioned prayer. It, he says that he pleaded to God three times and asked him. So let me read what he says. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul desired for God, Jehovah Rapha, to bring healing. And so he prayed to God, pleaded to God three times to take this pain away. 
Whatever it was Paul was suffering from, it was so bad that he made his desires crystal clear to God. But God's answer, he realized, was no. And as Paul wrestled with that answer, as he talked to God about that answer, as he struggled with it, instead of giving up on God, he leaned into God and he trusted that God knew best. And he sensed that God was giving him this message, the message that God said is, Peter, as Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So what does that mean for us? It means we need to pour out our desires for healing to God just like Paul did. And we need to trust God, whether he says yes, whether he says no, or whether he says not now. We still need to lean into God and trust him and trust his purposes, whatever answer we receive. And as we do that, we need to understand that the bigger picture that Paul did. When God said no to his healing, Paul saw the bigger picture. He realized that he could boast in his weakness so that the all-powerful Christ could work through his testimony so that people would see that God was giving Paul the strength to do what he was doing despite this thorn in the flesh that he suffered from. Some of you may be familiar with the, the life story and, and the ministry of Joni Erickson, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, Johnny suffered uh, a diving accident when she was a teenager. It left her a quadriplegic. In her book, Johnny, she relates this. She said, now she visited faith healers many times and prayed desperately for healing, but it never came. Finally, she said, she accepted that her condition was God's will. And she writes this. The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that, that God doesn't want everyone well because he wants to use our problems for his glory and for his good. Now, you have to understand this is a woman who has wrestled with that. That might take you a little bit of wrestling, but we need to realize that God has a greater purpose, uh, that God wants to work in us to draw us close to him and to draw all people to him. Now, that's his ultimate purpose. He wants to heal us from the, the sickness of sin and the world from the sickness of sin. Now, as I bring this message to a close, one of the things I realize, it may seem like I'm downplaying the fact that God is the healer of our bodies, but that's not my intention at all. I believe God is the healer of our bodies and that God heals illnesses and bodies in ways that uh, as I said, we can imagine in ways that we can't imagine, but we have to trust God. We need to know that our relationship with him is not based on what he can do for us in the here and now. It's understanding that he loves us so much, he provided for us a way to spend forever with him, and he sent Jesus. He is the God who heals, the God who heals us from our sin and also the God who can heal us from our illnesses. But we need to lean in to Jehovah Rapha. As I, as I bring this to a close, I want to invite the worship team to come up, but, but I want to encourage you that if you are in need of healing, I want you to cry out to God. 
Our prayer team will be up here after the service, and you can come up, and they would be more than happy to pray with you. If you're worshiping with us online and, and you need prayers of healing, you can send us prayers by going to our prayer page on our website. We would love to pray for you. But most importantly, we have to address the illness that affects every single person, and it's the illness of sin, the disease of sin, and we need to ask God to deliver us, to heal us from that. And so if you've never told Jesus that you believe in him and, and want forgiveness for your sins and the promise of eternal life, I'm going to give you the opportunity today to pray a prayer and ask him to forgive you of your sins and for you to declare to him that you, still, that you want to begin following him today. And as I always tell people, I, I will give you the words to pray back to God. You can pray them silently. There's really nothing special about my words. What is special about is what you say from the, from the sincerity of your heart to him. And then I'm going to pray for all of us after that part of our prayer time, that, that we would lean into Jehovah Rapha, that we would lean into him no matter what, that we will trust that he knows best for us and that he is present in our life, guiding us and directing us and drawing him closer drawing us closer to him each and every day. So if you would, let's bow your heads and let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love and your care for us. We thank you that you, you desire for us to know you as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And Lord, most importantly, you desire for us to be healed from the illness, the disease of sin. And so Lord, I, I pray right now, and that if there's anybody in this room or joining us online, if, if they have never addressed their sickness of sin, that they would take this opportunity. And very simply, if you've never told Jesus you believe in him and want to follow him, this is your opportunity. So you can pray these words back to him silently. Here's the first thing you should pray to him. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. So as we close that part of the prayer, we recognize that that's a declaration that we are sinners and that we've been delivered from our sin by asking for God's forgiveness. That's something, honestly, that we need to do regularly. But now, Lord, I, I pray for each one of us that we would lean into you, that with whatever is on our heart, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're wrestling with, whatever is afflicting us or affecting us, that we would lean into you, that we would trust that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us, the God who heals, hears our prayers, the God who desires for us to know him and walk through him all the days of our lives on this earth and forever in eternity. commit ourselves to you, Jehovah Rapha, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.